Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. We read verse 14 last week and the Rashi, so we're going to start with 15. Uh, let me just read 14 again to remind ourselves where we are because we are for this whole class are still going to be in these triple, if not quadruple parentheses. The parentheses began in verse 13. God said to Moses, we've seen a version of this before, get up in the morning, present yourself before Pharaoh, say to him that this is what God said. Okay, so now we're in the, the words that God wants, is telling Moses to tell Pharaoh that God said. And in verse 14, it was, Kibapam hazot. This time, I'm going to send all of my plagues. We talked with Rashi how um, coal can sometimes mean rove, so not necessarily all of them, but like the full force of my plagues. El libcha, to your heart. We played with that a little bit. Upon your servants and your people. And now we have a bavor. We're going to have another bavor two verses later. In order that, God is telegraphing a little bit of why God is uh, is doing this and you know, every time we enter into the zone, it's a little bit troubling. So that you will know that there was no one like me in the in the in the land, right? So is this God flexing God's muscles? Is God um, insecure and egotistical, or is this a natural way for a divinity to want to be understood uh, down in the human realm? Okay, that's where we ended it, and now we're on verse fifteen. Um, Steve, you want to read? Are there no more no mics in this room? Oh, perfect, perfect. Kiatash halachti es yadi vah osachav es amacha badaber the tika ched minaris. Right, and before you translate, this is going to be one of these verses that shows that tenses in biblical Hebrew, the forms of biblical here are far fewer than the meanings we impute to different tenses. So think about in modern English, obviously peasant. Uh, past, present, future, we have um, conditional, we have subjunctive, we had would, could, I might have. Those concepts existed in human thought, but the language was not as developed enough to show it, which meant that when the language wanted to speak in a sub, what we'd call a subjunctive, it had to use the simplest forms. So the tense of this sentence, it's kind of hard to figure out. So see what you can do. For now, I have set my hand and uh, I, I, I mouth against you your, your, and your people um, on this thing, with this thing. Uh, Daver is Dever. Oh, sorry, sorry, with this uh, plague. Right. Um, the reason to remind everyone, the reason why it's Daver, not the word is Dever, but it's in an etnachta. It's in a pausal form. It's like Lechem becoming Lachem. Um, um, and Eretz becoming Eretz, so Bad Daver, right. and will smite, I guess, from the land. Good. So you, you got all the vocab words. The question is how to put it in the right tenses. Let's introduce words that don't exist in Biblical Hebrew: had and would. Ki etedi. Had I, in the past tense, that's why it's a past tense verb, um, extended my hand. I va'ach odcha. That's a. It's a vav ha'ipuch word, which means it looks like it's future, but it should be understood in the past tense. But it's supposed to be understood in the past tense through a notion of would. I would have by now something like that. 
I would have smitten you, smote you and your people, vadaver, with the pestilence that just came. Vatikached, it's a um, looks future, vavaypuch, so it's past, but it's a, it's kind of like a subjunctive past. Uh, and you would, by now, have been um, effaced from the land, right? So the language didn't have helper words to create those tenses. It's very hard to understand that verse if you don't throw that in there. And some of the translations, which I'll put on the screen, show that. So, um, so um, yeah, can we do our, th- uh, our thing again? Can someone just... Thanks. Uh, for the moment, just look at the main text, uh, not the Casuto. So this is Everett Fox. Indeed... And this is a this is a, a problem for Everett Fox because he is so careful about every single word. He does not necessarily translate based on Rashi's commentary. He wants to help us know what the words mean, but he is intent on producing it in a, um, I don't know, like a nice sounding English. So he's going to put words in English that do not exist in the Hebrew, but he thinks that they are present in that sentence. Indeed, by now I could have sent out my hand and struck you and your people with the pestilence and you would have been effaced from the land. So the indeed, well, maybe the indeed is the key, but the by now is different than ata, which just means now and the could and the would he adds in. Let's see how others uh, translate it. Um, oh, actually I have to close out. Let me open up a new one. So I don't close out the Kasuto because we have to come back to that in a second. Tana, Shmot, nine. What verse are we on? 15? Yeah. Okay, I want to show you other translations. Um, so that's Everett Fox uh, translation. Okay, so um, JPS. I could have stretched forth my hand and stricken you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been a face from the earth. Another could, would, right? Um, Corin. For now, if I would stretch out my hand, it's interesting, I think, the Koran is taking it from a could have in the past tense to what God is saying God could or would do now. If I would stretch out my hand now, I might smite thee and thy people with pestilence and thou shouldest be cut off from the earth. Meaning I'm threatening you with what I could do right now if I wanted to unleash everything upon you, which is slightly different than Everett Fox and JPS, which said, I, I could have done this already had I wanted to. Uh, let's show Matsuda. And then uh, I'm curious if... Um, any of the translations from the Larry are interesting. For now, I, brackets, could have extended my hand and struck you and your people with a pestilence, and you would have been obliterated from the earth. So coulds and woulds. Larry, anything interesting in, in uh, are you a Kaplan? <clears throat> well, I'll give you altar first. Altar is similar, but... I don't hear you, Larry. Oh, sorry. Oh, is it because the speaker's off? Oh, hold on a second. Can you hear me now? No, they have a problem. Yeah, but if, this, if you pull the plug out, it's not working. Can you start speaking, Larry? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. okay. So you're going to have to deal with my voice in addition to his. Hi, Carol. Okay. Um, so Alter, first, was a little bit ex- um, expansive. For by now, I could have sent forth my hand, and I could have struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been... Wiped off the face of the earth. Hmm. Um, R.A. Kaplan says, sorry, 
I could have unleashed my power, killing you and your people with the epidemic, parentheses, sent against the animals, close parentheses, and you would have been obliterated from the world. Yeah, so it's interesting that Kaplan puts in the parentheses of sent against the animals, because if you remember the specific <coughs> words that were used when the Dever came, the only things that were smitten were the animals. And this is God saying, you remember that plague? That plague could have wiped you out. I held myself back. I expressed restraint, right? I also, I see your hand, Renee. I want to show you, because um, it's interesting and a rare uh, root, Batikached, Kaf Chaf Dalad. This is in the category of today I learned because I always thought that Kaf Chet Dalad morning was its own root, and apparently it's not. So I want to show you that. So um, it took me a while to find it. The root Kachad does not appear as its own. It's actually an extension of Koach, strength, um, and Koach, Kaf Chet, that is related to Kaf Chet Chet. And if you see in this entry here, you have to go down um, where the cursor is in the nifal form. When and it happened to something, it becomes nichad, right? A dalad gets added. I'm not sure why. It's not in the root, but it means to be effaced or to be put to shame. So vatikached, you would have been, and it's got to be related to koach. Something like you would have been overpowered, right? Um, why the dalad is there, I have no idea. I do not remember another example where a dalad in a three-letter root is not actually part of the root but got added in. I'm not aware of it, but it's a very interesting language. Uh, Marshall, microphone. And then I see you, Renee. Yeah, actually, I have the old Jewish uh, Publication Society Bible and the new one. Okay. The new one from 1985. The old one is, surely now I had put forth my hand and smitten thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou hast been cut off from the earth. Then the new one. Yeah, that one's hard to make sense of. It's there's no there's no conditional in that language. Right. Okay. Right. The new one. Uh, I could have stretched forth my hand mm. and stricken you, and your people with pestilence, and you would have been effaced from the earth. Mm-hmm. That's where your effacing takes. Yeah, yeah, smooth, kind of smoothing down, ob- obliterated a face, but it's interesting that it's related to the word koach. Good. Renee. Okay, I just wanted to tell you what Saperstein says. For now, I could have sent my hand and stricken you and your people with the pestilence, and you would have been wiped out of the land. Yeah, so most of the translations go could, would. Um, ha- had also could, it could also have been <laughs> had, would but most of them are doing could, would. Uh, Diane Larry? Having missed the last two weeks, and we didn't look at it on yet in the podcast, this, this question may not make sense to the rest of you, but I'm confused. So we had Dever, and now we had Shechin, right? Yes. So here, after Shechin... God is, is, <clears throat> is telling Pharaoh that I could have stricken you and your people back then in the previous um, plague, but I didn't strike you. I only struck your animals. If I had struck in you, <clears throat> you would have all died. Am I correct? I think you're correct. That's the shot of that sentence. Okay, and you haven't... But even before that, there is a mixing of the two different plagues, right? 
I'm not sure there's a mixing. The sixth plague ends oddly. You did you did miss that in that Pharaoh's heart hardens not when he experiences being able to assume a bit of the upper hand. It hardens at the apex of the impact of the plague on him, right? Which is the di- a different pattern, right? So at, at verse 11 shows that the magicians could not even stand in front of Pharaoh's presence because the the uh, the shrine because the shrine was everywhere. And instead of verse 12 saying, you know, um, um, Pharaoh submitting to that, or in, instead of a, a verse having said that uh, the magicians showed that they were somewhat capable as well, all of a sudden, in reaction to the plague being severe, all of a sudden, uh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened or God hardened his heart. And now we're quickly into the introduction, the long introduction to plague seven. So I'm not sure if it's a mixing of the plagues. Unless I'm so in, 14, in, in verse 14, where we've what already about, had... The one we just read, right? Well, the previous one yeah. that you read last week. Yeah. We're already on Shekhin, but God is saying for this time, Shekhin. No, no, not Shekhin. Shekhin's done. All right. Shekhin ended in verse 11. And then we're into the long introduction to Barad, which we haven't even mentioned that word yet, but that's the one coming up. But there's this. There's this interlude, and uh, you weren't here for this either. Casuto, his patternizing of the plague suggests three, 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 one. So we're this is a long introduction to the third set of three plagues, and it mimics some of the introductions to the beginning of the whole plague system. Right. I understand that. I'm going to offer a slightly different interpretation, which may not be justified, which is... Go ahead. So because in 15, it's very clear that God is saying that he could have afflicted the people with dever if he wanted to, and they would not have been able to, to survive that. Right. But he did f- afflict them with shechin, which the magicians couldn't even stand up because of it, so it obviously was incapacitating. I'm going back to 14 and interpreting this to mean that this time, ki bepam hazot, not in the future, but in the Shekhin, which is actually happening right now. Uh, except the, the, I know that the, the tense is going to hurt me here. That I'm sending all my plagues upon your person and your courtiers, so you will know that there's none like me in the world. In other words, the Dever was it was only for the animals, but starting with the Shekhin, it's for the people. So you will actually, you will feel it personally. And, the, and verse 15 seems to reinforce that in my, in my reading. So it's not only going forward, it's also going back. That's possible. In fact, that actually, the tense helps you because the sholeach verb in verse 14 is present tense, right? It's not the way most people read it, but the, the verb ani sholeach is saying, oh, okay. I am sending now, which could refer to the plague that is currently present at least like in that moment present upon the egyptians and the only plague present on the egyptians in that moment is shechin yeah it's possible okay that's it thank you how how dare you have offered such an unjustified (laughs) interpretation uh barry let's give barry a microphone so i I, i'm looking at the dalit that we were talking about uh in uh, and it, it, the verse begins with yadi, uh, the hand, 
Am I correct that God's hand was active only in the last plague? God's hand, if you look back to verse 4, I think, uh, verse 3, um, in, yes, that God's, not the last plague, but in the one before that, Dever, plague 5 is where we have, look at verse 3, Hinei yad Adonai hoyab miknacha, the hand of God will be, that weird present tense version of the verb to be, will be, exist, will be upon your cattle. That's in plague number 5, two, 2 ago, not 1 ago. Not this one, but the previous one. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, God's hand is active on on the people, the Pharaoh and the people, only in the last plague. It the last right, the plague five so is I, the first I'm, time the language of Yad Adonai, I believe, is used in the plague narrative. So what I'm getting to in a, in a kind of poetic structure here is, I, I the Yadi could have been, it it will be. <laughs> for you amcha uh and uh and and the dalad there is a, a poetic addition uh, grammatically not required but poetically oh the dalad from yad yes <laughs> and and the, the the wiping you from yeah okay uh it's all it's all on the table it's all on the table as a possibility um uh, yes, Leonard, then I want to read the next verse before we read the Rashi, which we never do, but these two verses really are a couplet. Hi, so uh, I don't understand. Why are we saying that the Dawid's not part of the root? It, it sure looks like it's part of the root in my dictionary, so I'm not sure why you're saying it isn't. Um, I pulled up BDB, which you can only see if you crane your neck. Let me pull it up again. Um, <coughs> maybe maybe I should say it more less more accurately that it's not part of the root is that kaf chet dala does not exist as its own three-letter root in the bdb it looks like it's a um a subset from kaf chet or kaf chet chet and the dalit only appears in the nifal form but that not that there is a three-letter root kaf chet dalit what do you have so if you look behind you you see that leonard <laughs> right that it's <laughs> why not wrong angle okay uh, trust me that's what it says for kaf ched dalit uh which means in call it means to be hidden in the face whatever it exists in call and nifo and pl and hofa and fall and he almost all of them Hmm. then then i don't understand this entry in in bdb Right, and I, I know Jastro much better than I know BDB, but you can't, you can't, if you look up Kaf Chet Dalit as its own entry in BDB, it does not exist, it only exists under the second entry for Kaf Chet. So, people who know more about ancient um, Semitic languages will have to weigh in on that. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how those two dictionaries relate to one another. As a, as its own entry. Well, it appears in the index, which you Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, now that I look uh, even more closely at that entry, at the very bottom of that entry, it does show um, a couple of instances of it in PL, Likachid. Um, but BDB is pretty comprehensive at listing as an entry every root that 
it, the three of them, thought existed at its own root, and this one doesn't appear. So it could be a machloket, right? I mean, you think about like biblical, like the, the archaeology of biblical words is, um, it's based on obviously research, but some of it is is guesswork, right? It, it's actually pulling from the words that exist and trying to uh, explore backwards what might have been the core roots. In, interesting debate. Um, and the entry that you're reading makes sense to me. The entry that BDB has, what I said as you were walking in, is that I don't know of another situation where a dollar just appears at the end of a root. Uh, okay, let's read the next verse before we read Rashi. We almost never do this, but but in order to understand, first of all, it ends the Aliyah. Uh, Rashi is quiet on verse 16 because kind of Rashi's comment on verse 15 is encompassing his thoughts on verse 16. So, uh, Steve, you can read another verse and and keep up the 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 wood could as you try to translate this. All right. Uh, Ulam can be indeed, uh, uh, however, Paul, nice. So, however, uh, for the sake of this, um, for your witnessing, Uh, Ahmad, or for your standing, Ha'emadticha means Ha'emadti Odcha. I stood you up, I sustained you, meaning okay. I could have s- wiped you out, but for this reason, I kept you erect, right? All right. All right. So that, uh, uh, yeah, in order to, right, to, to show my strength and, uh, so that the you know tell my name in all the arts in, in all the land right so this is an extension of why i haven't totally schmeisted you right so i could have right i chose not to and it's something and, and we have three in uh becauses in this verse we have a two bavors and a lama'an and they're you know they're different roots but they mean the same thing in order that um it's for this reason that I allowed you to stand in order that to show you at Kohi, my strength, Ulman, and in order that Saper, it's Saper here is not, it's not an order that you, it's almost right. like the gerund, you know, for the sake of the, of the, the of telling the, of my name. Correct. The telling of my name in all the land. I want to show you how Everfox translates just that phrase. Uh, The screen. Uh, let's go back to JP to Everett Fox. Where are you, Fox? Yeah. Um, however, he does the ulamas. However, it could also be an indeed. Just on account of this, he adds a just, which is interesting. Like this is the only reason I have allowed you to withstand. That's a great way of doing that in English because it takes it takes the stand part of hamadicha, but it turns it into a single verb to withstand, to make you see my power, and in order that they might recount my name throughout all, all the land. I would, you know, 
I, I would have the chutzpah to quibble with um, Everett Fox because he's turning the saper into a, a they will or they might, whereas I think just grammatically it's kind of standing on its own as just the concept of telling. But you know, all translation is a choice. JPS. Nevertheless, I have spared you for this purpose. That's how he handles the hematicha in order to show you my power and in order that my name, my fame may resound throughout the world. These are hard words to translate, even though we know what the sentence means. One or two more translations. Corin, and in, and in very deed for this cause, I have raised thee up, hematicha, to show in thee my power and that my name may be proclaimed throughout all the earth. Uh, Elon, and then I see some hands up there. Yeah, this is not a point about the translation. It's a point about the sentence itself, which is very disturbing. I know exactly what you're going to say. Because it would have been much, uh, for my modern sensibility, it would have been much more powerful. He said, I spared you because I'm compassionate and merciful, as opposed to, hey, I'm sparing you so you can go out and tell everyone how great I am. That's, Correct. That's that's troubling. Correct. Um, we probably won't get to it this week, but when we get to um, Sforno's commentary on verse 16, um, we're going to see, uh, you know, a, a medieval discomfort with some of what's being said here. And it is uncomfortable, right? Because we don't, we want to read our ancient story and our contemporary story that our God and our leaders are doing what they need to do to redeem us, not to punish them, right? We want, we want to believe that the people around the table in the war room and the God in the heavens who was in the ancient Egyptian war room are doing the, the, the minimum they have to do to secure our freedom as opposed to um, showing their power, right? That's not, that doesn't feel comfortable for us, right? And, but, it's, but it's in the text. We have to grapple with it. Uh, Diane, Larry, and then Joanna. So first of all, you want the translation from Alter and from... Um, I would, yeah. Alter's is, is not particularly interesting, I don't think. Um, and yet, for this I have let you stand so as to show you my power and so that my name will be told throughout all the earth. Kaplan, though, um, I think has a much more dramatic reading the only reason I let you survive was to show you my strength mm. so that my name will be discussed over discussed all over the world. Mm. Um, and my comment about this, Walter has a long comment, which I'm not going to read you, um, is I think this actually supports my view that what's going on here is not so much the transition to is, is not so much just the, the transition to the future plagues, but it's almost like a, a Western or a, um, um, a bad guy film where the bad guy is sparing the, the, the good guy, so to speak, not saying the Pharaoh is good, the good guy, to say, or the, the guy he's attacking, and telling him, I could kill you, but then you, you wouldn't bear witness to what I'm capable of doing. And I want the entire town, so to speak, mm-hmm. to be afraid. The town, in this case, being Haaretz, meaning the entire world. The entire you earth. alive, so I can make an even greater example of you when I choose to actually exert my my greater power. Right. So this is a dramatic trope, which I don't know has in in any of these you know scholarship that deals with uh, with the, with literature has actually been reused over and over and over again. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think if they're also less charged version of this, right? Where, where, where not in war and not in nations, but even our own interactions, my brain isn't working quickly enough, where we, where we, ref, we refrain from executing all of our strength and power, not just for mercy and not just for pragmatism, um, but so that we can reserve it for when it's going to have a greater impact, right? Someone can think of an, of, of an example pipe up. I, I'm thinking this is not the exact same thing. Um, I remember uh, the summer the summer before we went on sabbatical, uh, Noah took a couple of courses online so that her the semester she was going to do uh, from when we away was going to be lighter. And she had a course on governance or politics and like that. And um, we were doing a lot of the readings together. It was fascinating. I hadn't I hadn't read like you know the Federalist Papers and the early, early American conceptions of what government should be like, probably since my U.S. history class. And it was actually just apprentices. It's, it's amazing to dive into Madison and Monroe's writings. It's, they, were, they were incredible minds about what a government should be. Um, and at some point she was reading a, an essay or an article about the, um, the mirage of the power of the White House. And it was a discussion of Eisenhower's experience in the White House. And Eisenhower came from the military where power and authority are, um, are, are, are just wielded as you want it, right? And, and your subjects always listen to you. And Eisenhower got to the White House and at least according to this article, was very frustrated that the West Wing doesn't operate that way, right? You have to actually withhold your power because every use of your power limits your power, by the way. And I've had to learn that in my own way, right? In, in, in managing an institution, right? That you think that you can just use right? all of your power and that's going to uh, have people respond to you. Often it's the withholding of the power that people will ascribe to you that creates the, more, the, the potential energy to do something greater beyond. So Eisenhower had to learn that and eventually became a pretty effective president. But it wasn't by using his power, it was by controlling it and then allowing it out in certain places, right? I see hands, but Joanna was first, and then Barry, and then Tova, and then Marshall. So it just popped out at me as we were dwelling on the phrase, to go back also to verse 11, good. Um, and so this sense of, okay, your heart to me weren't able to stand in that moment, but overall we can say until now you've withstood it. And it's sort of a foreshadowing of where this is going. Like not only the heart to me, but you Paro, when I fully unleash all my power, so says God will not be able to stand. Very nice, Joanna. Lovely, lovely connection. Uh, Barry, Tova, Marshall, Stevie. Hold on, you wait, microphone. You were asking for uh, historical parallels, and I'm thinking of the uh, our use of the atom bomb at the end of World War II. I mean, we we knew we had it, and it was withheld, and and then it was finally used. Hmm. And and but as you also suggested, once you've used your power, then it comes back to bite you. Yeah, and and, and not only did it come back to bite you, you instantly have less of it. Yeah. And and so that that sort of leads into the uh, the principle of what's the term for it? Uh, 
the 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 the, uh, the 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 nations that have the bomb have agreed not to to, to withhold the bomb. So we, the 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 use of it, the 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 strategy of withholding the bomb has the power to keep peace. Yeah, very good. I think even in physics, right, like the relationship between kinetic energy and potential energy, right, like the doesn't kinetic energy get created because of the ongoing holding back of the potential energy or something like that? Am I remembering my 11th grade physics class right, Stevie? I mean, the- Microphone? <laughs> I'm speaking in the presence of a physicist. The total mechanical energy should be conserved unless there's friction or other, you know, things that disrupt it. But uh, so, you know, it's sort of, the energy can sort of swash back and forth between potential kinetic, but it's not, uh, like the but the total is, is not right. going to be like, but like the pulling back of a spring, right? Which makes a spring so yeah. powerful is the it's, farther you pull it back and not release it, something like that. Right, right. Sure. Uh, Tova, I don't know. I, yeah. I forgot everyone's order. Marshall, Stevie, Carol, Rachel, <laughs> Renee, um, Rick. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a good movie. Uh, back at the uh, example, the example that came to mind for me was uh, actually decimation, that uh, which originally was punishment by killing one out of one ten. Tenth, right. So you killed, but the power you then have over the remainder is the fact that you have uh, exerted that power and 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 then withheld it from them. Um, Meaning by by showing that I can kill one tenth, it's really showing you that I could kill all of you. Yeah. But I'm not. Yeah. That's that's a great example. Uh, and uh, that brought, and I also had a comment going back to the, as Elon pointed out, the sense, the discomfort with the way God is presenting, explaining God's actions. But there's was part of me that was thinking, but would it really have made sense at this junction, with Pharaoh hardening his heart even in the face of his own suffering? to at that time presented a God of compassion. Mm. And so it we, may, we, we may also have to consider what God is dealing with at that time. It, it, you know, it's like, was not God's purpose to reveal my true nature or my full nature, but rather to deal with this individual in this circumstance. And what did that require? Yeah, good question. Uh, before Marshall, so don't forget, um, Leonard, are you available to teach next week? Because next week I'm in Israel with a shul trip here in person. Okay, so class will be here next in person, but with uh, Leonard. And the, you, you're in, still in Brashid, right? So bring your Brashid books. <laughs> just one week. Yeah. Uh, in person and Zoom, same, just different teacher. Marshall, then Rosemary, and then Stevie, if, you're, if you had more to say. Larry made reference to what Alter's translation was, and I note the, in that regard, the last word in that sentence, Haaretz, because we've talked about Eretz meets, Eretz meets Ryan, right? So Alter gives a wonderful comment here that he says that this, um, the elastic Hebrew term Eretz, which until this point in the plagues narrative had meant land, as in the land of Egypt, Eretz meets Ryan, clearly here means earth. Mm. And it's actually translated by the new JPS as world. Mm. God's mighty acts in Egypt are to confirm his reputation as omnipotent deity throughout the world. Mm. Nice. Uh, Rosemary. 
I just think this um, part gives us the uh, reason of argument that uh, David had in his Psalms and we do in everyday prayer um, that we say, why do you kill us? Because if not, we can glorify you. Uh -huh. So I think for 5,000 years, we are wondering why he killed somebody because he could glorify. Yeah. Maybe there is something more there. So Yeah, good. Stevie, do you have more from before? Um, sure. Uh, just to respond to what Marshall said, it, it doesn't seem clear to me that it has to be the whole earth, right? Pharaoh, back in chapter five, said, I don't know who this God is, right? So saying that my name will be spoken is, you know, sort of the whole point. So you're saying Bechola Aretz could mean could his, mean his world, his world, his, yeah. his land. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't see any reason it has to mean one or the other. Okay. Um, also back in the beginning of this chapter, we had the idea of like my hand, like the, my hand with the pestilence is in the animals and I'm now going to like manipulate which animals are affected by it, which ones aren't. Um, and here it's now like casting the hand on people. Mm. Um, but I don't know, not, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Um, as we were discussing these verses, 15 and 16, I was asking myself, who is God talking to? This seems to be clearly addressed to, to Parot. And I was, and I looked back a few verses, and God is having yet another conversation with Moses that Moses should go and tell Pharaoh this and that. And I thought Moses is one person, probably the person who's already most in awe of God and does not need these kinds of reminders that God really is the decision maker on who's affected, what the plague is, and so on and so forth. And I just thought that, to me, that to remind myself that God is talking to Moses, just kind of, and not to, to Pharaoh, kind of lowers the whole threat value of the whole thing. Right. It's interesting. He's talked. He's talking to Moses, but we are in the third level of parentheses of what God wants Moses to sell to Pharaoh verbatim. So these words are intended for Pharaoh. We're just hearing it in the instruction that God's giving to Moses. By the way, he talks all the way through the end of verse 19. If we're, it'll take us a while to get there, but this parentheses does not end until the end of 19, which is when the actual seventh plague is threatened. And in verse 20, we actually get back to narrative, which means that this uh, this speech within a speech is seven verses long, right? Verses 13 through 19 is all God telling Moses what God wants Moses to tell to Pharaoh, which is another reason why Casuto sees this as beginning of like another, a, another set of plagues, not just the next plague. Um, Joel. There's two possible readings for this. and I'm not sure which one I prefer. One is talking about it. Make it a little closer to your mouth. Talking about it in the general, in the in the plural, I could have destroyed 
all of you, but I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping you all alive so that you will spread the word. Or he's talking specifically to Pharaoh. I have killed all these people, but um, I could have killed you too. Mm. Because the, the verbs are in the singular. Mm. And Otcha. Otcha. And the only thing that and the only thing that concerned me was when he says um, and the only way I can justify that is to translate et as in I could have destroyed you with, with your, your people interesting it's possible yeah good all all of the second person suffixes here are singular um Let's read Rashi. It's not that Rashi is going to be like a, a um, anticlimax, but we've covered the material that Rashi says um, because he's also trying to make sense of of the of the tenses of these verbs and the woods coulds. He just doesn't have this, you know, th- that, that vocabulary to say it. So back to you, Stevie. Kiata shalachti et yadi. Kiata shalachti et yadi vegomer ki ilu ratiti ke shaitai. So do that part. Okay. And so what Rashi introduces the wood could with that Hebrew word ilu. Yeah. So if I wanted uh, to have had my hand in uh, with the the cattle or, or if i wanted to in that moment when my hand was on the yeah. cattle um to strike with pestilence uh against you and uh strike you and uh your people along with the animals right let's just uh, i'm gonna break that down a little bit ilu ratsiti had i wanted to when my hand was on your cattle and the next one even though it's shehikitim some people some of the commentators on rashi add in a cuff before the she so it's another when and when i was smiting them meaning the cattle with pestilence shalachtiha it's still a past tense verb but it means i could have i could have sent my hand right also Vihikiti and smitten gam odcha, you and your people with the animals. Meaning, and this um, refutes, not that it's right, but it refutes uh, Larry's possibility that what he's talking about is current. He's actually going, God is going back to the previous plague. That moment, which as someone said before me was Barry, that when my, my yad was on the land, I could have extended my fingers more intently and reached you as well. And therefore, vatikached. Vatikached mina aretz, and you would have been been eradicated from the land. Aval ba'vorzot hametichav agomer, but for this sake, uh, I've you know made you, I've standed you and so forth. Uh, that's it, right? Right. So basically, what Rashi is doing is building in in Rashi's language the wood could that we discussed. Um, oh, I forgot to point this out. Uh, remember how I said there are three becauses in verse uh, 16? There's um, ba'avor, ba'avor, and lama'an. It's interesting that Unculus translates them all as the same. Uh, each time he translates it as bedil, which is an Aramaic word saying, you might uh, like bishvil, 
uh, bishvil and bedil are, are the same. So uh, even though it's two different vocab words in Hebrew, Uncle translates them the same in Aramaic. Okay. Um, uh, almost implies that it's like, and then, right, like I'm going to explain what the bavor is, and it turns out it's more than one thing. Correct. Bavor zot hematicha, and what is the zot? It's bavor herodcha akochi and laman saper shmi uh, and by the way, and that ends the sixth aliyah of the era. So we're getting we're getting close to the end. Um, any thoughts or comments on what Rashi said? Which again, we dealt with the material mostly before we got there. My once. All right, let me see if there was something else I want to show you before we read the next verse. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to share the screen again because Rashi is quiet on verse 16 because his comment on verse 15 basically covers. Verse 16. I want to read to you Casuto and Sforno. Okay. So Casuto, uh, again, 19th, early 20th century Italian, both like academic scholar and Rebbe. He says it's similar to Rashi. E, and the words in bold are the, are, are the words of the verse. Ilu Ratziti, like Rashi, had I wanted to. Ki ata shalachti et yadi, when, um, I'm, when, I, when I had placed my hand. I already had extended my hand with its full force. And this is, again, Kasuto picking up on the same thing that um, uh, Barry picked up, which, again, pushed against Larry's reading only one time so far. And it wasn't the sixth plague. It was the fifth plague that Yad Adonai was present in Egypt. So that time when my hand was present, Shuv Pam Hapoel, skip that part, go to the next two, um, uh, for, begin the fourth line. The I could have smitten you and your people with pestilence. I could have smitten with pestilence. Gamorcha you, the your people. The low rock at not just the cattle, which is where my hand actually reached. Had I done this, right? Plu perfect. Haita avud, you would have been lost. Ataviyamcha, you and your people. So that's Kasuto basically giving less of a commentary, more of a translation. But um, move from there. We'll finish with this. This is the Sforno that I told you about, Ilan. Okay, so it's on the page. You you see Sforno struggling here with the notion of God being motivated just by self-aggrandizement. Why am I holding back? Uh, think of the book of Jonah, that by, if you know that I'm holding back and that I could have smitten you, maybe you'll repent, right? I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a chance, right? This is a very generous view of these verses. And it's, and Sforno feels a very similar, I'm assuming discomfort that you, Elon, doesn't want to imagine God as toying with them, right? By holding back, I give you a chance. Like this gap can be filled two different ways either by you stay stubborn and I swoop all the way in, which I could have, that might happen. And we know that it does happen or the gap can be filled by you not hardening your heart and you coming towards me. In this case, then my restraint will persist. Right. Um, He quotes uh, that I do not uh, desire the death of, of, uh, uh, does not, does not die. uh, I do not desire anyone's death, even the death of a sinner. The translation here of Sforno is slightly um, expanded and paraphrased, not just direct. Right? So you have a, a medieval commentator saying, hmm, 
I'm not sure this notion of a God who is um, being presented here as holding back so that he, God can come back stronger later is the only way of reading it. And it's a comfortable way of reading it. Last comment, Rosemary, then I got to run. I was just wondering, we don't talk at all about um, the people of Israel in Goshen, how much there wasn't television, there wasn't any news. How did they knew what is happening in the palace? So in reality, maybe God is uh, um, talking with four people, teaching four. It's Moses and uh, um, Pharaoh, and then the people of Egypt, and then people of Israel. So things he says to Moses, and Moses says mm. to Pharaoh, or God is talking to Pharaoh, and he's on reality teaching. I had many times my mom wouldn't tell me directly, like, yeah. this is wrong. Nice. She would say that person was wrong. So is he teaching the people? Do people know God? Mm. Or this is just introduction for both Israel mm. and uh a nice possibility you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts for more information about temple beth Am, los angeles go to tbala.org